I think that, you know, having the self-awareness of where, what those flaws are, um, both personally and professionally, and sort of putting that out there, not only makes like human connection easier because you're showing vulnerability, which people can miss. And, you know, a lot of people are like, well, you're sending a message that you're weak. And it's like, no, no, no. You're actually sending a message that you're completely self-aware. And in a business sense, you can achieve you know, understanding your failures and having success by filling that void with having a business partner or, you know, whatever that does the things that you cannot do better. In the personal sense, I think having an understanding about who you are emotionally and what your entire EI is, you, you know who you are, you know who you're going to gel with, and, you know, you're more than likely going to have more successful relationships because of it. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bost, and I am excited to bring y'all today's episode because let's face it, sometimes even when we feel like we have something to say, sometimes we just keep it to ourselves for so many different reasons. This might be because we're maybe shy or afraid to make a mistake in what we say, or maybe the person we are talking to may be a little intimidating or we don't know what they're going to say, or we might not know how to handle that situation or properly how to communicate or negotiate what we're trying to accomplish in that moment. And so in this episode, we're going to talk about developing confidence and self-awareness so that you can be the best version of yourself and go for anything that you want to achieve in life. And so my guest today is none other than Tracy Tudor, who is a top real estate agent at Douglas Elman in Beverly Hills. Many of you may recognize her as she is the first and only female cast member on Bravo's Million Dollar Listing LA, which premiered its 12th season in June of 2020. Tracy is going to share her stories, her life experiences, which served as her inspiration in writing her best-selling book, Fear is Just a Four-Letter Word, How to Develop the Unstoppable Confidence to Own any room. And so tune into this episode as we're going to talk about things like how to uh, navigate through relationships when you feel stuck. Tracy's approach to becoming self-aware and her advice for people who are trying to figure out how to do that for themselves. We also chat about things such as Tracy's top tips to developing a mindset and being able to sell yourself with the utmost confidence And so we're going to really dive deep into how you can overcome your biggest fears in order to crush it personally and professionally. So without further ado, let's welcome Tracy Tudor to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Tracy, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me, Doug. You know, today it's incredibly inspiring. You were the first female on Million Dollar Listing. You're like a celebrity, you know, realtor, as if you will, like you're a total boss, babe. You've built an incredible brand for yourself. You've accomplished a lot. You sell homes that are worth like tens of millions of dollars. You're like, it's like you sell the homes that people look at, like who the hell would buy that? And you're the one selling it and and brokering the deals. 
And what's really fascinating though, is I think a lot of what you're dealing with now and your ability to close and sell yourself and be confident and be around these heavy hitters in the area you're in comes from a lot of your childhood, right? I know your dad was heavily involved in business. I know you've heard you talk about your dad as being somebody who is very uh, confident in himself. He had his own ego and it kind of prepped you for what you're in today. So I know so many people know you now from what you do with million dollar listing and your own brand and everything else, but talk a bit about your childhood because I think it's important to go back to that and how that prepped you um, for not only the person you are today, but how that inspired you to get into real estate. Yeah. I mean, my dad, I was on the phone with him yesterday and my, my financial advisor, um, God bless him for hanging in there. But my dad is a huge personality and, and, and it has a quite an ego on him, but earned if you know what I mean. And I think that there's a lot of people out there that have the ability to earn what I call their ego and, you know, driven by things like actual success and conquering fears and things like that. And my dad did all of that. I mean, he was a, you know, second generation Armenian immigrant. His father came here when he was nine years old. Um, they couldn't even pronounce his last name. And so we gained the name to and you know my dad grew up in Van Nuys in a really tough crowd and um, most of his friends either wound up dead or in jail and wow. he ended up going into um, the military and uh, afterward ended up at USC mm. and it sort of changed the course of his um, life I think being there and then went to work for my grandfather who started a small construction company and that little construction company, Tudor Construction, then became Tudor Saliba, and then in turn partnered with Perini, which was an East Coast casino developer at the time, and they were public, so they merged and took the company public, and it's sort of the giant construction mm. company that does bridges, tunnels, the metro rail, hotels, the BART system, airports, a lot of infrastructure. So growing up around that, for me, being a woman and watching how tough he was, was mm. just a lesson. He was loyal as hell and as am I, but he was really, really tough. And so I was around that a lot and um, I began challenging it at an early age. And um, his friends used to call me Ron Tudor with tits. <laughs> <laughs> really? I swear to God. And um, because I was just like a ballsy chick mm. and... I worked in my dad's office briefly after I graduated from USC um, undergrad and I was waiting tables and I was miserable doing that because I was trying to act. And so I figured, well, maybe my dad will be sort of understanding if I have to run out for an audition, but I can go work in the office. And right. I remember I used to like hear him just annihilating someone from like down the hall. And I would come down the hall, like guns a blazing, like you can't talk to people that way. Like, have some respect. And he was like, get the, hell, get the hell out of my office. Like you're 21 years old. Like, who do you think you are? Right. But there's something that was ingrained in me to challenge um, that type of, of powerful male ego. And mm. I think growing up around someone that was as powerful as he was now, granted, he was smart. So I had a certain level of respect for it, but I knew how to navigate it from an early age. And I think that's what sort of 
helped me navigate, you know, the rooms that I obviously am in today. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for when you grow up in an environment, you know, where you have somebody in your life, like your dad, who is incredibly successful. You know, he had his confidence in himself, his ego, and in a way, like rightfully so, because he did build some things that were incredibly successful. I think there's a big difference between that and somebody who's got this massive ego out of that stems from deep insecurity for them not doing the things they know they should be doing, right? Then they come off egotistical because they're just trying to project their own you know, BS into the world. And I think it's, it's admirable for you that um, you didn't like fall into this trap of being intimidated um, in total um, you know, to that personality, to that mindset, you kind of use it to your advantage in a way. I'm sure you had bumps in the road. You had fears that you've talked about in your book. But if you look at now, I know you, I hear you talk about like, you wouldn't really have this attitude and charisma about yourself if it wasn't for how you grew up with your being around your dad and learning how to deal with the guy who would answer the phone and, and it'd be like, Hey, what do you want? Like that would be, you know, him saying that prepped you now for what you do where you're in the room with people that have massive egos they are putting their homes for sale for like $50 million. Right. Which again, to reiterate what I said earlier, it's like the types of stuff that we, that we, as people like small people are like watching, like who the heck would buy this. Right. And you're, and you're the yeah. one, like, it's like the middle person, like brokering these deals, making sure it happens, making sure people are happy. So you know, what I wanted to ask you is how did you transition in being that 21 year old, you wanted to get into acting, you went to USC and then how did you, what got you into real estate? You just wanted to decide to like kind yeah, of follow I mean, your, I, your dad's lead or something or? No, not at all. I never anticipated ending up in any sort of facet of real estate at all. I think, you know, I recognized at an early age that my passion for acting was a passion and that I defined my own success differently. Mm. And, you know, I, I, I felt like my passion didn't have to be the way that I earned a living because the two didn't necessarily add up. It wasn't right. like act and you shall succeed. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I needed to make a living. And most importantly, I needed to feel valuable as a like independent female. I did not want to depend on my parents forever. And I had a lot to live up to. So right. it was terrifying for me because, you know, I did come from someone who started with nothing and had enormous amount of success. Mm. So I always felt like it was never going to be good enough. But I also knew in, on some gut level that it wasn't going to happen for me in acting, which is hilarious because come full circle and I'm on a reality show, right. you know, selling real estate. But um, I, I just decided I didn't want to do it anymore. That financial independence was more important to me and I needed to make money. And a girlfriend of mine said, you know what? We were born and raised in LA. You know, you've lived sort of all over. You never left. You're a native in California. You know, a lot of rich people. Why don't we sell real estate? And I was mm. like, absolutely. Like it doesn't require a degree. Like you don't have to be that smart. <laughs> and sure as shit. In the next six months, I got my my real estate license and I joined um, a small company on the Sunset Strip called Dalton Brown and Long, which was later um, procured by Sotheby's. And there began my entire career. And I think on year three, I made you know a significant amount of money where I kind of pinched myself and said, "Holy moly! Like I could really do well in this. I'm 
you know, 24 years old and I just made like six figures without even blinking. Right. Um, I never saw that for myself. I sort of, you know, because I was an actor, viewed success in a different way. But I think ultimately the two worlds colliding, you know, acting brought a lot to, I think, my ability to sell myself um, as a real estate agent and ultimately has helped me become, I think, more successful. Yeah, it's it's really inspiring that you've kind of married the two together, if you will. Your your first passion came into acting. That's kind of where you wanted to go. And then you fall into real estate and you realize, wow, I'm good at this. You know, I can own the room. I have the confidence in myself. I can deal with rejection. I can, you know, cr- craft the deal. I can sign the deal. And then this opportunity comes with a million dollar listing. And now you got the best of both worlds. Now you're doing what you love and acting on a reality show with the best of the best selling, you know, some of the most beautiful homes in the world and being able to articulate your personality on the show. I mean, I've seen you just be able to go on there and not take no for an answer, not take anyone's crap and just stand up for yourself. And I know you call it in your book, like fight like a girl. Right. So I think so many people, um, were, are intrigued to know how did that, how does something like that happen? How does somebody approach you for getting on a reality TV show? Because I'm sure whether they're in real estate or not, anybody's listening. There's probably people that watch reality TV and they're like, all right, how does this person get picked? Like, what's the process? Was there a process? Was there a form you filled out? Did they just approach you? Was it a connection? Like yeah. what happened? Um, I happened to be in Josh Altman's office and I was showing a property of his that they happened to be filming for the show. And he said, are you cool with being on the show? And I said, yeah, like, he's like, okay, great. See you in like two hours. And I was like, oh, like now, you know, but I did it. And, you know, obviously I wasn't incredibly nervous in front of the camera and my client didn't really do a lot of talking. And we ended up writing an offer on that house on the show. So we had, Josh and I had a few scenes together and, you know, Josh and I have such a good relationship and we're like brother and sister. So there was a, a natural chemistry between us on camera that, you know, brought, I think, a lot of things to life. And, and you know, there'd been a woman missing from the show for nine years. So at the when that season aired, they called me and they said, hey, you know, you were on in a few scenes with Josh this season. Would you be open to talking to us about potentially coming on? And mm. that was the beginning of it. Wow. I didn't fill out an application. Well, talk about how there's no, it's like, just, it's so true. There's no perfect time for anything. You just got to be ready. Like when the opportunity yeah. comes, I think when, you know, luck is when hard work and meets opportunity. Right. And yeah. that's kind of what happens is like you worked your butt off as a realtor. You also worked your butt off uh, acting. So you had the confidence in knowing like if somebody was to say, Hey, I got a role for you. You're like, cool. I'm in. I already kind of am familiar with that. Yeah. But when you were in Josh's, office, which by the way, I read his book, like it's your move like years ago. It was one of the best books I, I read in his journey. Right. So it's kind of cool to kind of blend the two together with this. He has a great journey too. It's yeah. So incredible. To hear his story and, coming up in this. Yeah. And, and so then you're in his office, you get this opportunity, you go on the show and you know, you're married at the time. And what I really um, admire about you is that you chose you chose yourself? Have you you've chosen yourself throughout your entire story? You chose yourself 
when you wanted to pursue acting and that's what you wanted to do. You followed that. Then you kind of realized that wasn't for you. And then you chose yourself again. And like, you know what? I want to go into real estate. I'm following my heart with this. Then you choose yourself with this show and it ends up like breaking apart, you know, your marriage. And what's really, I think what people need to hear is the importance of knowing that when like a relationship needs to end so that you can continue to evolve as a human. So maybe like talk about like, maybe, you know, in your own experience with what you had to go through, and then some advice for people that are kind of stuck. Maybe it's in a job, in a relationship where they're just, they're being pulled back and how to really make that, take that leap of faith to step out and, and become that best version of themselves by breaking away from whatever is bringing them down. Yeah. I mean, I think we all have something inside of us that mm -hmm. is, you know, always there. Right. And you wake up and then you decide every single day if you're going to listen to that voice. Mm. And I think more often than not, most people don't. They push that down and they ask the opinions of the people that surround them, whether they're their loved ones or competitors in their field or their friends growing up or, you know, a business acquaintance. Right. And it's like you're searching for all of this outside affirmation and it's such bullshit because the affirmation that you really need is completely from within. And it's that fear of like letting that voice come out and what people are going to think of that voice and how they're going to receive that voice that prevents us from being able to sort of channel it every day. And it's, I talk about this all the time, but it's an exercise. You really mm. do. If you're not accustomed to trusting your instincts and speaking clearly on them, um, you got to practice. And, um, you know, for me, it took a long time, I think, particularly, um, recognizing that my marriage was not meant to continue to sort of get off the fence and, you know, land on the other side. And I talk about it in the book, you know, you sit on the fence too long and you're going to get splinters in your ass. Yeah. Um, and I did, I got a lot of splinters because the truth is I realized that probably seven years before, maybe five years before, um, we ended up separating. So it's everybody in, in their own course, but I do think that the more you listen to that gut and you let it, you know, crop up and, and, and you access it in the moment, then, you know, you're being true to yourself. And when you're, you're true to yourself more often, it, the answers just come so much easier and you have no one to apologize for. And you don't wake up going, well, what did I say to that person? Because it's all there. It's all honest. Um, and that to me is like, it's so much, so much nicer to live that way than to live in that place. I watched that documentary. It just makes me jump to this, that American murder of the girl next door. Did you see this documentary? No, no, but I know what you're talking about. Oh my God. I watched it last night and I'm like, oh my God, this poor woman is pouring her heart out and this, you know, completely fraudulent male that she's been married to for eight years is a psychopath and, mm. and, you know, is not letting any of that out. It's such a shame to me that she didn't trust her instincts and well, now she's no longer with us. And I just wish that people could start that earlier. Like that's my biggest thing in this book that I think I was surprised, but happy about was that young, young women are really responding to it. I have a lot of like women in their early twenties that are like, Hey, I, you know, 
your book really spoke to me because I just don't want to be 40 and just figuring it out. I want to figure it out right now. And it's like, it's a very hands-on guide to that, but it all starts with being able to channel like that voice and use it on a daily basis. And it's like waking up and working out. You have to listen to it. Yeah. You have to work that muscle. And I think you know, physically, mentally, and emotionally, they're all muscles you have to work every single day, right? Whether it's exercising, whether it's, you know, being intentional with your, what your actions are, who you're surrounding yourself with, what you're watching, listening to on TV, on a computer and, and taking chances on yourself. Because, you know, at the end of the day, I think, you know, your book's all about fear. I believe the opposite of fear is faith. And I think that in with faith comes failure. Like I believe you have to fail and take chances on yourself to get to that next level and get what you want in life. Right. Because I believe that if we don't fail, it means we've never taken a chance on ourselves. If we've never taken a chance, it means we never really had the courage to try. And if we never try it, never, we never had belief in ourselves, right. Or faith and oh, that yeah. self-awareness to know that, okay, like I can do this. Like, I don't want this in my life anymore. I don't want to be that person when I'm right. 50, 60, 70 years old. And I'm around the camp campfire with my grandkids and my grand, my grandson or my granddaughter's being like, Hey, Doug, like, are you happy with the way you live? And I don't want to be that person. That's like, you know what? Like, I wish I would have taken more risk. I wish I would have actually chosen myself more and had the self-awareness to, you know, set goals and go after what I wanted. And I know for what you talk about in your book, like one of the main pillars is having self-awareness. I know you talk about owning a room and you talk about developing this confidence, but I want to get into the self-awareness because I think without that, like being able to own a room, being able to sell a house, sell yourself in a relationship, whatever it is, is nothing, right? Because you got to be have the intuitive approach um, internally for yourself. So what is your approach on becoming self-aware and what advice do you have for people who are trying to figure out like how to do that for themselves? We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second. But first, wanted to give a quick shout out to Danette May and Earth Echo Foods. Danette was a past guest on the podcast and shared her incredible story and how it inspired her to create her products such as Cacao Bliss, which I take every day, either in my coffee or in a smoothie. It starts with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then it's blended with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have. The result? Fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate, removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. Not only that, it is friendly to keto, gluten-free, paleo, vegan, and vegetarian diets. So go to earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Bobes. Again, earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Bobes. Check it out for yourself and learn more about the amazing benefits of Cacao Bliss. And when you enter in the promo code Doug at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Now back to the show. I think, you know, you have to really look at yourself in the mirror every day and see exactly who you are. Whether or not you choose to share that person with everybody else is on you. Yeah. Um, and that's what's going to hold you back from having true success, I think, personally and professionally. But um, for me, it's about recognizing your faults. It's mm. about taking ownership of the mistakes that you make and the failures that you have in relationships and communication and like learning from that. And, you know, in, in, from the personal sense, I think that that's something that I've had a little bit more naturally, um, whether or not I chose to speak up about it all the time. I think that was like a maturity thing, but I think intuitively, I always knew when I had 
was in the wrong. I always right. knew when I wasn't being authentic or I was being de uh, deceitful or, you know, and, and it always rubbed me the wrong way. Um, and I didn't like that feeling. So mm. I, feel, I, I think that, you know, having the self-awareness of where, what those flaws are, um, both personally and professionally and sort of putting that out there not only makes like human connection easier because you're showing vulnerability, which people can miss. And, you know, a lot of people are like, well, you're sending a message that you're weak. And it's like, no, no, no. You're actually sending a message that you're completely self-aware. And in a business sense, you can achieve, you know, understanding your failures and having success by filling that void with having a business partner or, you know, whatever that does the things that you cannot do better. In the personal sense, I think having an understanding about who you are emotionally and what your entire EI is, you, you know who you are, you know who you're going to gel with, and you know, you're more than likely going to have more successful relationships because of it. Yeah. Self-awareness is everything. Being able to look at yourself in the mirror and either, I mean, and, and being able to acknowledge like how proud you are of yourself or some things that you've been able to accomplish, how much you love yourself or certain things about you, but also being like able to look at yourself and be like, you know what? Like I could have handled this better. You know what? I need to take care of my health more. I need, I should have said that to this person. I really need to get my act together in this area of my life. Like that's part of self-awareness too, because I think people get it twisted that like, self-love is just lovey-dovey be positive and yes there's obviously room for affirmations speaking to yourself in a positive manner but there's also times where you need to look yourself in the mirror and be like you know what like you need to apologize to that person or you need Absolutely. to like you need to wake up earlier right i mean i believe in manifestation and i feel with you like I, my my boyfriend's big on that and so i i kind of make fun of him from time to time and I'm like, well, are they going to put it on a vision board? You know, but yeah, yeah, of course. But, and I, but truthfully, he's kind of taught me a lot about that and like the power of positive thinking. But in my opinion, and maybe it's just my old bitter age, but in my opinion, I do think that, you know, having self-awareness is kind of understanding what your weaknesses are as well as your strengths. And um, that's a complete person. Yeah. And speaking of your boyfriend, I know you're dating a trainer. I've been a trainer now for almost 10 years in fitness. Oh, yeah. yeah. Fitness saved my life when I was incarcerated and I could get into this whole backstory, but, um, but the reason I'm bringing this up is for me and so many people who listen to this show and so many people in the world, fitness is a staple and a foundation for their day, for their life, 100%. for when they're going, when they're going through hard times. So how has, what role has fitness played for you in your life and how, like, what, what do you kind of do for your workouts and how has it kind of evolved through the years um, as it's like become like a staple of who yeah. you are as a person? You know, what's so funny is I've done it. I, I've always tried to be, you know, healthy and fit um, right. you know, on some level for vanity reasons and on the other, because I recognize that it makes me feel good, Of course, um, but never to the, I think the the, the true level to where it was a commitment and almost, I wouldn't say an addiction, a healthy addiction. Right, right. Um, something that I just, it's like more of a practice for me now. Mm. Um, you know, obviously it started when there's someone that you're living with is obviously this is their job. This is their livelihood. Um, it does make it a lot easier. It's something that we love, you know, we love to do together. And um, I think for me, it's 
gotten me through this weird experience of this pandemic that we were living. Yeah, there was yeah. nothing else we could do for several right, months. Right. And so it just became, and I just saw my entire, my, my entire shift, not just in body, but in mind. And, um, I like the, I like feeling good. And, you know, so often we go to like wine and don't get me wrong because I am so not selling that story, but <laughs> right, you know, right. we go to like a cocktail or something to kind of, you know, void whatever it is that we're feeling. And I think that working out and being healthy in that and doing it every single day has now become a little bit of that high for me. Yeah. I mean, I think there's so many benefits of fitness from the physicality component. I think, yeah, I think the main goal, at least I would say most people want to look good naked when they're looking at themselves in the mirror. They want to look good yeah, on the beach. Right. I mean, honestly, like when people tell me they don't really care about what they look when they work out, I'm like, look like I'm like, yeah, right. I'm like, you can just open up and be like, you know what? Like if it would be nice if I had some abs, It'd be nice if I had some arms or whatever your goals are. But I think what's even more powerful about fitness is the mental and emotional benefits. And it gives you structure, you get comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, you are able to develop self-confidence in yourself, your energy, blah, 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 all that stuff. And it's also like, you're choosing, you're also choosing yourself in a way that you're telling yourself that you deserve, your body deserves love and to feel good based on how you're treating it. Right. Like you're showing yourself like, you know what, I'm working out today because I love myself enough that I know that if I work out, I'll feel better. I'll look better and I'll perform better, um, you know, throughout the day. And, you know, you go into a, you go into a deal, right. And your, your mindset is obviously like, I need to close this deal. You know, some of these homes, like we were safe said a few times, you know, are worth, you know, 30, 40, $50 million. But I think it's no matter what, if you're selling a 40, $50 million home or you're selling yourself, you have to have confidence in what you're doing. So what are some things that you have done? Maybe it's some, some tips you could tell the audience where that you go into um, where you are able to kind of like develop this mindset to be able to kind of sell yourself um, with, with like the utmost confidence that you can. Um, I mean, I definitely think uh, that work, it starts for me with working out and feeling good. Mm. I don't think that people truly value serotonin as right. much as they should. And until you really experience it, I have, you know, I know so many people and that's why I have so much respect for what Eric does and, you know, you as well, because when you work with the client and you see like the drag and just like the heaviness, um, you know, emotionally and mentally, when someone who might be overweight or unhealthy coming mm. into the gym, I watch it a lot. I watch it with some of his clients and, and, you know, that struggle to get to a place where that person actually starts to feel good about themselves, but also has the ability to like, you all just all of a sudden see like this, this energy and the serotonin is so crucial. And so for me, that's a big piece of what makes me feel really pumped. Like before I go into a meeting, I just, it's like, I just, it's like taking care of yourself. You want to be on point. You want to feel good. You don't drink the day before. You, you drink a lot of water, you eat food that's good for you, you, throw, right. you sit down, you go to bed early. It's like, these are all really basic things. If we just cut the fat for a minute and <laughs> like go to just the basics, like it's not that difficult. It's just, you know what it requires? Someone to be committed. And mm. in today, I just don't think that that's something that's very comfortable for people because we're all like in this 
24 hours a day with our yeah. head in our phones, figuring out how to get gratified. And it starts somewhere else. And even though I understand that intellectually, I know um, that I'm still part of the, the problem there. And I think that if we can just get focused and really, really make an effort to take care of ourselves in that way every day, then it's gonna be a lot easier to walk into any room and be like in the room, like not in your phone, not in what happened before you walked into the room or where you are after. You're just gonna be in the moment. And I think we don't live in the moment anymore. Yeah, I think taking the time to pour into yourself, into your health, into wellness, into what, like, what is important to you to fill your cup up so that you can be prepared throughout the day to attack life's battles, to attack rejection, to attack, you know, the things that can come at you as we go about the course of our day is extremely important because look, let's face it, life's going to happen and you're going to go to work, whether you're selling homes, whether you're, you know, at a grocery store, whatever you're doing and things aren't going to go your way. You're not going to, you know, have success at everything you do. And so it all comes back to how you feel, you know, about yourself and what you're doing for yourself. That's going to help you move through that. Right. And I think one of the, the other things that I think you do a phenomenal job of in your book of articulating is not being attached to like the outcome. Right. Because I think if we're just solely looking at the outcome, we lose sight of the journey. We lose sight of the progress. We lose sight of ourselves. So talk a bit about how not obsessing over the outcome and attaching that to like your success has really helped you um, not only stay like sane and stable through this like grueling uh, profession you're in, but also to grow as a person. Oh my God. I cannot tell you. There are days where I wake up and I go, I've got like two more years left. In <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, but I should have like 15 or 20. Um, you know, there's definitely hard days. I was looking at Altman's, he did like a little YouTube thing that he posted today where he's talking about, we always talk about, um, you know, all of our successes on these platforms. And I'm like, well, you do. No, <laughs> but in this moment and talking on this YouTube piece, he was talking about, you know, the failures along the way and the month and the deals that we didn't get. And it's like, if you count the millions of dollars that I lost this year alone, I, it actually made me think about how difficult this year was, particularly in the earlier part of it. It was four mm. months where, you know, I think we lost 28 to 30 million in business. And wow. That was under contract. So like do the math on just, you know, commissions lost um, to myself and my team and, and figuring out how to shift um, our mindset and like, keep it moving. I believe honestly in embracing the loss. You know, I think women tend to do this better than men, because I think if you look at like a traditional male, female relationship, most of the time when they break up, by the time the woman is broken up, she's like, and this is not in every case. So, you know, let's not get crazy. But a lot of the times the woman moves on quicker because she's already mourned for like six months trying trying to figure out how to get out of the relationship. And I think men get out of the relationship instinctually, but then they don't deal with the aftermath of the emotions. And then all of a sudden, six months later, they're like wondering why they're depressed and wanting to call their old girlfriend at two o'clock in the morning. And right. I think it's like, it's, I just think that a lot of men don't process it as naturally. I think there are um, women that you know we innately are more emotional creatures so we tend to process failure um more immediately um 
than I think men do. And you got, and men tend to just like push through um, and sometimes may not even ever come back to that failure. Um, but I, I think that it's important to kind of have that emotion, go through it, feel it 100% and then move the hell on from it and leave it. It's not to be like put in a closet per se. It's just, you know, you don't have time to like have all that negativity and failure sitting on top of you every day, sort of burying you. Yeah. I mean, I think the quicker you can move on and forward with no matter what you're leaving behind in your life in a healthy way, not only will you train your mind, train your body, train your heart that when that you're able to do that again, cause it's going to happen again. Like odds are, if you experience heartbreak once, it'll happen again. Odds are, if you lose a job, it'll happen again. If you lose a deal, it'll happen again. So on and so forth. Not only will it do that, but it'll help you not stay in that hamster wheel of feeling sorry for yourself and saying, well, right. me. Right. Which right. Also- you're never going to recover. Like you think like when you're in that space, you're like, I'm never coming out of it. Like I'm so devastated whether it's personal or business. Like, I'm just, I can't do that. You do the whole, I can't fucking do this anymore. Yeah. Um, I mean, how many times do we all say that? And then of course you wake up the next day and you're like, oh my God, I can totally maybe do it one more time. <laughs> exactly. I can definitely try again. I can definitely try again because that ultimately, you know, not moving through those emotions in a healthy way eventually gets us the result we don't want, which is us being happy and fulfilled and achieving success. But when we are able to sit and be patient and just do the necessary things we know we should be doing, whether that's obviously exercise, hanging around different people, being around things that are uplifting for you, staying grateful in whatever way works for you, like spiritual, everything like that, you'll be able to like move through it and then get to a point where you're like, oh, I have the confidence again to try again. I feel fulfilled. I'm, you know, feeling like myself again because I lost part of myself or whatever it is. And I think so many people, men and women fall into that trap of getting stuck in that cycle. Right. And, and I think what it takes is that what you talk about in your book is like grit is like just to continue to keep getting up after every single failure, because people only see the bright side on the show. They'll see like, maybe you close a huge deal or they'll see like a headline, but they don't see all the work that goes into it. They don't see the dinners. They don't see the headaches of dealing with clients. They don't see the no, 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 and losing stuff. They only see like the pinnacle of success. Right. And I think that's very common no matter what industry you're in. So with that being said, you know, you're an incredibly attractive woman. You're a reality TV star. You do very well for yourself financially, you're fit, everything else. People would probably see you and say, you know what? Tracy Tudor has no problems. And I know life always has problems. So what's like something you've gone through recently that has been challenging for you and how did you get through it? Um, I'm like, do I want to share this now? <laughs> no, <you> sure. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, obviously my life is far from perfect. I navigate um, a two family household where, you know, I'm in a relationship with somebody and my ex-husband is in a relationship with somebody and, you know, people don't see that on the show. So people's version of who I am personally is only, again, seen through Instagram, where I'm posting maybe some work stuff of me at a listing, or I'm posting a photograph that was taken at a photo shoot, or, you know, 
lifestyle moments and things like that. But I, you know, I don't post my kids because they don't want to be posted. And most of the time getting them in front of a camera is very difficult. But I think I struggle a lot with that perception that I'm a boss bitch who has it all and la la la. I'm also a mom that struggles with her teenagers, making sure that they're getting their stuff done and how I'm perceived as a mother. I think that's my, I think to date, that's my biggest challenge is navigating um, the perception of what kind of mom I am. And I, I fight it every single day because I refuse to bow down to the idea that because of what I do on here, it says who I am as a mother. Um, and so we, I talk about it, I talk about it a lot, but it's a big struggle for me. And, and I, I'm very open with my girls about it. And, you know, that's why every once in a while, occasionally you'll see me fight back with a, uh, a troll on social, yeah. um, just to stand up for myself. Um, so that's, that's something that I, I consistently struggle with, not having my girls appear on the show and be able to put out a complete um, version of myself. I can only be as authentic as I can be. And the yeah. rest of it is out of my control on some level. So, Yeah, and I appreciate you sharing that. It's got to be really challenging and difficult, right? And I think it's, a like you said, it's an ongoing battle that happens daily. But I think the one thing that you've said throughout the course of this interview and even in your book that's most relevant and important is that when you do do the stuff internally to, to create that confidence from within of who you are and what you stand for and having that self-awareness, the trolls and the people trying to bring you down is by the way, people who are trolls, I mean, we know that like they've got something going on within them and they're just kind of like, right. Trying to, to bring yeah. you down that it, it, the pain becomes less just because you have the confidence in knowing who you are. And you've accepted the fact that, you can't be externally validated. You have to do stuff that fulfills you, you know, naturally for yourself with, you know, serotonin and dopamine, like we were talking about a few minutes ago. All of those things too, but I feel like that there's a piece of it where I feel like I'm like a warrior for like women who work and are like, you know, I, it's, it's something that a lot of women write to me about all the time. Like I'm struggling because I'm work, I'm successful and I love my job and I love my kids and I love my husband and I feel like I'm sucking at all three and I'm like well you probably on any given day are sucking at at least one of them but at least you're honest about it like we, you can't be a hundred percent in every area of your life at every moment of every day and that's why we were all require help and um support from you know the people that love us and unconditionally so yeah a hundred percent and you are a great role model for for moms for business owners for women and even obviously for, for men and how you carry yourself, how you stand up for yourself, how you don't let the BS kind of get to you. And also are humble enough to admit when, you know, maybe things aren't going your way and you're like, you know what, I am struggling today and here's how I'm managing it. Here's what I'm doing. And I think it's admirable because, you know, it's easy to post the glamour shots on social media and post the highlight reels, but really like behind the scenes, like people's life is falling apart. That's the easy thing to do. I think what's really hard is to, to be honest and be like, you know what, like, I don't have it all together. And then here's why. And then I think people then, I don't want to say come to your rescue because I don't know if that's the right word, but they come alongside of you because it's like, wow, like this person's human. Like I didn't know this right. about her. And then you build a deeper connection with your audience. And if you're trying to build a brand, if you're trying to build a business, like 
that's what it's all about is being able to connect emotionally to your clients. And so speaking of emotions, I know fear is like, that's your word, right? Like that's the, the what your book is based on. Well, my last question for you is this is, I want you to kind of imagine that like young Tracy, right? Maybe you're like, you're 17, 18 years old, you're kind of going through a lot of fear, like of, you know, maybe you're not sure if you're going to make it as an actress, you're unsure, like what to do, or are you going to follow in your dad's footsteps? Like, what kind of what, what advice are you giving to young Tracy to kind of navigate through her fear? Simple, trust your gut, mm. and actually use it. Like every single time you're in a human interaction, when you feel something, speak it, period. Boom. Good, bad, good, bad, or ugly. I mean, when, when you, your gut is going to be right 90% of the time, it's, that's like your, your intuition telling you that something, something's off with the conversation that you're having, or you're feeling something more is there. That's when you need to speak up and say, there's something more here. I'm feeling like, you know what I mean? And I wish I could have done that at a younger age. Love it. I love it. And I, couldn't have said it better myself. And I think, you know, there's this, how simply you just put that. I think a lot of people are going to relate to that. And not only that, just what, everything you've said in this, this interview, and I really appreciate your time. I know you're busy and I have a lot going on. And I think the, the audience can get a ton out of this, like I said. I hope so. so where can people find out more about you got your book, you know, fear is just a four letter word. I know that's yeah. doing very well and you're on Instagram, but where else can people find you? Um, well, if you're looking for real estate, you can find me at tracytutor.com. Obviously, I am on social media quite a bit. We're promoting the book a lot. And right. for those of you who haven't read it, you can find it on Amazon or anywhere. Any Most bookstores have it as well. Um, other than that, I'm just hustling to the end of the year, just like, like everybody else. Sweet. Well, thank you once again. I will be sure to plug all, plug all that stuff in the show notes. And for those listening. If you found this episode resourceful, be sure to, to reach out to Tracy, reach out to myself, take a screenshot um, with your biggest takeaway. We love to hear feedback. And um, if this episode touched your heart in some way, we love hearing from you too with the reviews. So if you want to leave us a review, we would greatly appreciate it. And um, you know, once again, I thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes, and I'll see you next time. Bye, Dad. <laughs>